good people, and welcome to the Probcast. We've got a great agenda up for you guys for Probcast number three. We are going to be continuing the Journey to Me series. We're going to be talking about part three and part four. So learning how to learn, we're going to be going over that today. And of course, what is success and how do I get there? For this week's episode, we have Mr. Wheelwide. He is a great friend of mine. He's been part of my own personal journey and story for the past four years. He's my tummy twin. We go out, we eat a lot. And yeah, he's just an all around wonderful guy. He's been an inspiration to me. And I think, you know, you guys are really going to love hearing his story, his infectious laugh. And without further ado, let's jump right in and get his thoughts on the broadcast. It's looking real nice. I saw your new blog entry, uh, and it is very introspective. I was just talking to a gentleman earlier about how success is subjective, and one person's idea of success might not be somebody else's idea of success. But uh, to answer your question, my day was good. Uh, I spent the day out um, at uh, a customer's facility where they have chips, lots and lots of chips, so I can eat as many chips as I want drink as much Gatorade as I want, and uh, I was working with uh, an engineering team to try to figure out an issue we're having with charging one of the trucks, so it was productive, it was cool, just, you know, yeah, but um, why don't you tell me about your latest blog post on the Probcast website? So I have a question for you, Will, what does success mean to you? Ooh, that's a very, uh, that's a loaded question. Um, To me, what is success (laughs) I, I grew up extremely poor, right? Uh, even though my father was uh, self-employed, he was a business owner, uh, my mother was a stay-at-home mom, and my father's income fluctuated so much that there were very, very skinny months and very, very, uh, very, very fat months, right? Like, um, you know, one month he might be doing a bunch of contracts and he pulls in $20,000, and the next month, uh, you know, he, something went wrong, somebody may have quit or walked off the job or an inspection didn't get passed or a customer didn't pay him. So he'd have barely enough to pay the mortgage, right? So um, one of the most traumatic in, uh, memories that I have because of that specifically was I remember I was like six or seven years old and we had no food in the fridge and my parents said, hey, we're going grocery shopping. I remember walking down the aisles and my mom asked me, you know, what, what do I want for breakfast? What cereals do I want? You know, we're grabbing a bunch of food. And literally we had, we had a shopping cart full of food and we get to the front, uh, to the cash register to check out. And my father wrote a check. And this was in the early nineties where they didn't just accept checks blindly. They had these little magnetic strip readers where they could run your check through and it would read the numbers on your bank account from the check and it would see whether or not your check was good. And his check was bad, right? He had no money in the bank and he was hoping, he was banking on the fact that they would deposit the check and he'd have some time to go put some money in the bank in order to buy groceries and fill the fridge. Uh, I remember that his check, his check got declined. Uh, we were extremely embarrassed. Uh, we had that grocery cart full of food and literally we had to push it off to the side and then let the next person come through. Uh, that was one memory of, of my father. The other memory was he would always run out of gas, right? No matter what we were doing, where we were driving, he ran out of gas more often than I can remember. Um, so for me, when I think of success and what success means to me, success means being able to live comfortably, uh, being able to meet your basic needs, being able to fulfill your necessities to live your life without that worry, without that stress. So that means being able to put food in the refrigerator without getting my debit card declined, being able to keep my cars filled with gasoline so that I never run out and get stranded, Uh, being able to pay the utilities, right? We had our cable cut off all the time. The phone was cut off all the time as a kid. So being able to keep my household uh, basically running and have money in a savings account. That's my idea of success. What about you, Ikra? What's your, your ideal of success? I mean, it's honestly like very similar in the sense of like having a good quality of life where you're not necessarily concerned about finances in that respect. 
but for me it's also just like being able to to give back and like live your life with no regrets right so it's like how can you build your life in that way right so it's like I feel like that's also part of what's guided a lot of my decisions like you know where I'm like I just up and moved to like London I'm like bye <laughs> you're like okay <laughs> it's like I thought you were just gonna go to school in San Francisco and now you're going to London okay cool <laughs> yes guys by the way if you look up in, in you know Urban Dictionary uh you find the word YOLO Icarus picture is right there and she's like giving uh, the peace sign while she's walking to SFO to fly to London for a, a year and a half were you there or a year or something it was, it was a year. It was a year. That was like the most yeah, wild that, thing ever. <laughs> that was, that's you in Urban Dictionary. Is you giving the deuces while you're walking into SFO on the way to London to like bail on us. Thanks. <laughs> it sounds like our ideal of success is fairly similar, right? Um, I've gotten to that point in life where now that I don't have to worry about paying my bills and living hand to mouth, I can finally give back to the community and give to charity like you're saying, right? That wasn't my original intent because I struggled my whole life in my early 20s, especially. But now that I'm a father, I'm part of, uh, you know, uh, the community out here in the East Bay, I can finally, you know, I I have the time to go, hey, you know what, what can I do to give back? Where can I go volunteer? Who can I send a couple dollars to that can benefit from the extra money that I'm not using for you know, motorcycle parts and, and going out and having fun or going out to eat pizza with Ikra and Ankit, right? Like, um, I think that we're sort of on the same page in that sense. And a lot of Americans, I think, are finally getting to that point. They're finally coming to, um, they're finally waking up. They're going, hey, you know what? Living hand to mouth, paying all these credit card bills, um, just struggling all the time isn't it. I, like having a little bit of financial freedom and being able to give back is, is kind of where it's at. But I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, You asked me my idea of success. Uh, I got your idea of success. It is the probcast, so problem plus cast, probcast.com. And you click on the blade menu in the upper hand, right-hand corner, uh, and you can see her advice blogs, uh, which so far are looking absolutely magnificent. They're very well put together. They're very well well structured, um, and I highly recommend them. So be sure to check that out. so your latest blog entry on the broadcast is about success. Yeah, so it, so it talks about success and it really talks about what you what you hit on the nail so beautifully right there, which is that your idea of success is it changes over time, right? Like as you accomplish things, like your goalpost moves, right? It's it's going to constantly change and like your idea of success could be somebody else's idea of failure, right? So it's like For sure. you know what I mean in understanding like how how much of it's actually shaped by like your environment how much of it is shaped by like you know who you are what you believe which is also like in part like your environment and then Mm -hmm. how can you change that over time and how do you develop it as you go right so I feel like Mm -hmm. it's like I mean I think it's like it's not really mad it doesn't really matter what your idea of success is too I think it's also just like uh, hopefully it's something good right like don't be like oh, i want to become the, the best mass murderer it's like dude that's no <laughs> don't do that <laughs> not a fan <laughs> rejected i hope you fail at that but it's also just like whatever it is as long as it's something that's like not harming people right and it's something good sure. then like just pursue it with excellence right just chase after it you know what i mean like just go for it so i feel like that that's kind of also what, what there is and it's also like a little shout out to like my, my little readers on the blog of like hey if you're reading this like you actually care about your future you care about success like don't overthink it just do whatever you're doing stay on your course do it with excellence and just roll with it right like and I think you know the, the most inspiring thing is just seeing how how other people have gotten there right so like people that you would stereotypically consider to be like successful how did they get there and the reality is, is that a lot of people have taken unconventional paths and like, you know, there's mm-hmm. like this um, Gary V, right. He's like talking about like some people who are like, you know, barely make enough money to get by, but they're like happy, they're content. And like, there's mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. who have millions that are like not content. And he's like, you know yeah. what I mean? I'd rather be the person who's content than the one who's not. Right. So it's like Absolutely. really also a matter of like perspective, right? Like Robin Williams, you know? 
super successful guy committed suicide you know what i mean yeah and like that's just such such a loss and like anthony bourdain and like some of these other guys it's like dude like what what happens why yeah like you were just so amazing (laughs) and like added value but like you just never like i I don't know you know i mean i don't know what was their mindset at the time so it's like obviously something weighing heavy on them but it's like how do you, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you kind of cope with that? And how do you just move on? Well, not in that sense of moving on, but you know, uh, we got to comment. Let's see what they got to say. For me, the um, success comes in the willing to try. You keep trying, keep trying, and you don't give up until, I mean, even if you don't achieve your ultimate goal, the fact that you keep trying and that you're living through the challenges that come your way to me that that's a form of success for for me because um, not only does my family have to deal with mental health um we've also dealt with poverty uh domestic violence i mean there's just so much that i feel i'm very successful for still living and still trying and still moving forward so that's a form of success for myself 100 percent. yep Big facts. 100%. That's that's part of what we're discussing is, right, is success is subjective. And there's another thing you mentioned in your latest blog, April, when it comes to success, is uh, exactly what Granny Wowsers is talking about, um, perseverance and passion, right? Um, Three-quarters of the way through your article, you mentioned um, passion and perseverance and what some of the top performers do in order to be successful, right? When they are working towards their goal, they do it with passion. They, they keep at it. They keep doing it no matter what. They, they persevere. Uh, Granny Wowsers, you are a person that has persevered. So, um, you know, my hat's off to you. Um, people that have been through traumatic, traumatic, traumatic experiences, they've been through uh, ups and downs, highs and lows, and yet they keep pushing forward uh, and they keep pursuing their goals and they reach their objectives to make those goals happen. Um, those are some of the strongest people um, that, that, uh, don't get enough, um, they don't get enough credit. Right. Um, but you know, a, a lot of it also is figuring out, like you said, where your goalposts are. I remember 21 year old Will, I got to tell you, 21 year old Will was, uh, very shallow. He was very materialistic. His idea of success was having a cool, big, loud car, uh, and buying the latest trinkets and having, you know, the nicest shoes and, and great clothes. And I look back on that now, 15 years later, and I go, man, what the hell was I thinking? What was I doing? Where was I mentally? Where was I spiritually? Where was I, um, you know, uh, environmentally? Who was I hanging around that sort of um, cultivated that belief in me? And and where did I get that ideology? And as I've gotten older, like you said, the goalposts move. My idea of success has changed. Lately, my idea of success is getting my basic needs met and being able to give my children an example to follow where they realize that money isn't everything. Uh, money is a tool that you need in order to survive in this country and in a capitalist world. Um, but money also brings you options and it can help you help other people, right? You can, you can use that money to bring um, peace to uh, people that are less fortunate than you. You can use that money to support organizations that might be in line with your moral beliefs or your um your community's beliefs right um so that's sort of where my goals my goalposts have moved and as you get older Ikra, your goalposts will move as well you'll you'll still have a lot of your goals from your 24 25 year old self but 10 15 years from now uh that might change right like just like you're saying it, it your idea of success 10 years from now might look back 10 years uh, younger of yourself and go, man, what was I thinking? Why, why, why was that important for me to be successful? Um, and it's something that you don't realize until you kind of moved on to a different phase in your life or you've accomplished what you thought was your idea of success. And then you finally reach that goal and you're going, you know what, this isn't it. Uh, having this cool car, it's fun, it's fast, it's loud, but it isn't what success really is. And now that I have it, I need to reassess my goals and sort of where I'm at mentally. No, definitely. 
Definitely. And I hope like 10 years from now, my goals and priorities have completely changed or at least not completely, but like changed, you know, like, yeah, it was, it was sure. like, yeah, like Matthew McConaughey, he was like giving some speech at like the Grammys or something. And he's like, you know who my idol is? Or he's like, all right, all right, all right. You know who my idol is? <laughs> Me 10 years from now. That's what I'm headed for. Like, I'm just that's like, what I'm talking about. dude, that's so deep, dude. Like, oh my God. For real. Matthew, what, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> you're just like, what? <laughs> oh, man. And yeah, but, but going back to that whole idea of like grit and, and what Grounding Wowsers put like so brilliantly is is having the passion and perseverance, right? So. Yeah. Um, the, the, so this is so there's like this psychologist um, Angela Duckworth and so she did a research mm-hmm. on like high performers so she was a teacher in the classroom and she's like dude I don't get why some of these kids are like doing well and some of them aren't and IQ isn't the variable that's like determining their success so she's like yeah. all right let me go let me go research this and I'm like okay cool so she goes she looks at people at like West Point the cadets and it's like who can we predict who is going to be successful or who's going to finish boot camp or whatever it is and then they did the same thing at like corporations companies and a whole bunch of different places like spelling bees their whole thing was like what are high achievers high performers doing and it's just passion and perseverance so like practicing but also practicing things deliberately right where it's like yeah oh hey I'm playing the piano and I messed up on this key let me go back, fix that, right? Let me go back and do that, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's like, okay, cool. You know, you're driving a car, you're on a racetrack. It's like, okay, so mm-hmm. I took the turn this way. Maybe I should have cut the corner a bit more. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, or, or leaned more to, to get more um, speed or whatever, turn quicker. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then trying that the next time and just always iterating and, and doing that. Uh, and so that's kind of her whole thesis is like, hey, you need to have grit. You need to have passion and perseverance to achieve your goals. And she has a TED Talk on it, and she does a way better job of explaining it. So, like, go listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) What was her name name again? Uh, So it's Angela Duckworth. If you go to the blog, it's also there, too. Oh, that's the lady that's that's the, the video that you embedded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a couple of videos embedded. So one is um, Angela Duckworth, and then the other one is Carol Dweck, um, who talks about the growth mindset, and which is also very similar to like grit. I kind of like put them together and I get them confused, but Carol Dweck is growth mindset, which I'm sure you know about. I don't. And then a little bit more. I might, I might have, I might know it by accident, but you got to explain it a little bit better. Okay. Okay. So, so basically the whole idea of growth mindset is that if you want to learn something, the biggest barrier to like you learning is like your mindset, right? So if you want to improve, mm-hmm. you have to believe you want to improve or you can improve and then you'll improve if that makes sense. So it's like, mm-hmm. to me, it's like, you can't just have the, the passion and the perseverance. You also have to have mm-hmm. the mindset where, Hey, I can actually achieve this goal. I can improve and I'll get there, right? Because if you don't have that, it'll be very hard to stay passionate and persevere through something, you know what I mean? So if you don't have the mindset that, okay, like, hey, I can drive a stick car. It's like, you know, then you're never going to learn how to drive. It's like, oh, I'm not going to learn, not going to happen. That's like the foundation of achieving success is like believing you can get there. That's why they made the movie, the one where they plant the idea in the guy's head. Inception. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you're, you're 100% correct. I mean, and, and that's a great TED Talk. I'm going to have to go check both of those out because I, I think people or something, um, they're of the mentality that, you know what, it's not worth trying because I'll never get to that point. But if you just start changing how you think about that situation and you say, you know what, I may not be able to get to it right away. I may not be able to achieve that level of what I think success is immediately. But if I take step by step and learn what I'm doing along the way and believe that I can continue to grow towards that goal to accomplish what it is I'm trying to learn, I will get there. No matter what, I'm going to continue to push myself. I'm going to keep practicing. I'm going to keep learning. And eventually, it may not be tomorrow, and it may not be a month, it may not be a year, it might take a decade, 
but I will get to where I'm trying to get to, right? Um, I, I think yeah. we overestimate what we can do in 12 months, right? Because we, we always have that New Year's resolution mentality and we tend to drastically underestimate what we can do in a decade, right? I mean, if, if you were to catch me 10 years ago and say, hey, knucklehead, uh, you're going to go from changing oil and making minimum wage to traveling the world with tech companies, um, you know, I, I would have laughed in your face and said, yeah, right, bro, get out of my face, right? Like, that ain't, that ain't real, um, right? Uh, it was more than 10 years ago, like, uh, 35 now, 21, for 15 years ago. So we came up to me and said 15 years ago, hey, uh, knucklehead, you're going to go from making 10 bucks an hour to constantly being on airplanes and traveling for work, and you're going to get to meet a bunch of awesome people, and you're going to get to see the world and get paid for it. I, I would have I wouldn't have believed it for one second, right? Um, but now, if you ask me, hey, what do you think you're gonna? Where do you think you're gonna be in ten years? I have a much better understanding of the type of work it takes to change your life in a decade, and how long it really takes to accomplish some goals. I mean, you know, just just thinking about real estate, right? You know, I've been interested in in, in studying real estate and looking at real estate for the last three years, four years. And I know that that when I when I originally started looking into it, I knew it wasn't going to be a six month goal or a twelve month goal. It was going to be one of those five, four or five year goals because you have to kind of learn what the heck is involved in real estate, what it takes capital wise to get started in real estate, and after you get started in real estate, what it takes to maintain that. So here we are on year year five, and I'm a lot closer to that goal than I was when I first started uh, and, and set that goal for myself. So, oh, part three, journey to me, learning how to learn. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. It's one of my favorites. Did you did you get a chance to read it or no? Mm-mm. I did okay, it because it's out of it. order. Tell, tell me about it. Tell okay, I'll, it. Fix that. I'll, I'll fix that later. <laughs> I'll fix that <laughs> after better. the call. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so learning how to learn, it's kind of like – you know, there's all these different philosophies and theories out there on, on learning mm-hmm. and what's the best way, what are pro tips, and it's like, this is what I found, right? So the first is just, how do you know how you learn, right? So there's three ways people typically learn, right? So you can learn kinesthetically, you can learn, which means to learn by doing, right? You can learn, you know, uh, more visually, which is kind of like reading, seeing things, or you can learn in a pretty auditory manner, which is when you learn by hearing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if you take the idea of like riding a bike, right? So it's like, if you're a kinesthetic learner, you're going to be like, dude, give me that bike. I'm just going to hop on this and figure this shit out, right? If you're yep, yep. an auditory learner, you're just, yeah, you're a kinesthetic learner. <laughs> I, can, I can already tell. <laughs> and if, you, if you're like an auditory learner, you're like, someone needs to hop on the bike and explain to you how to like mm-hmm. ride the bike. They, so like you'll get on it and then you'll be like, okay, just walk me through it, right? It'd be like, okay, so you're going to like, it's going to be a bit wobbly. You're going to put the ped- your feet on the pedals and then you're going to roll and just stay balanced, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay. And then they'll maybe do that, right? And then your uh, visual learner is going to see the bike and pretty much like watch, be like, hey, look, I don't get this. You jump on it and let me watch you ride around and then I'll just figure it out, oh. right? It's like, okay. Okay. Like this person's pushing the pedals, they're they're kind of doing that thing, you know, they're kind of weaving back and forth. I wonder why that is. Oh, this is a key balance you might discover later. And so you'll notice mm-hmm. that like when you're learning, it's some combination of all of these, but some things make more sense to you, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I was working with horses, this is really when I like understood how people learn differently. Because with me, it was like part kinesthetic, part like you have to describe things in a very visual way for me to understand what that meant. So it'd be like, Hey, mm-hmm. I need you to rotate your leg inward. I'm like, I have no idea what that means. So then they'll come and they'll just rotate mm-hmm. my leg and be like, Oh, that's what you mean. Got it. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whereas like with somebody else, it's like, Hey, you need to hold the reins loosely. It's like, I don't get what that means. They're like, so pretend you have like a little baby bird in your hand and you want to, you know, be firm enough where it doesn't fly away, but gentle enough where it doesn't, you know, you don't kill it. It's it like, crushed. dude. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So that's how you want to hold your horse reins. And then the person's like, I get it, right? Like you explained it in such a way. Or somebody would be like, you're doing this and it looks weird. I'm like, okay, I have no idea what you mean. Like take a video of me so I can see it. Uh And it's like, oh, that's what I'm doing wrong, right? So it's, that's kind of the context of how I kind of put put together that and realize that, you know, everyone learns in different ways and knowing kind of what you're more inclined to is kind of helpful, right? 
It's like, mm-hmm. hey, I don't get it this way. Just explain it to me different or whatever, right? Because now you can be a more proactive mm-hmm. learner and ask questions or get people to explain things. Sure. You just like watch a YouTube video later to get something, right? Yeah, So that's sure. kind of you like... Know, and, and I think some people take that for granted. They don't realize how much they can learn if they have never realized uh, which way works best for them to learn, right? There are a lot of people that are scared to... Um, I don't know, go out and learn how to skydive. There are a lot of people that are scared to go learn how to ride a motorcycle, right? Um, I remember the very first time you and I met, you came to interview uh, for the job down at Gen Z. And they literally said, hey, sit her down on a scooter and, and teach her how to ride. And I was like, uh, okay. And I walked you through it. And you legit sat down and you're like, you took off, and I'm like, oh, holy shit, this girl's going to crash this motorcycle, and she's going to fucking die. And you, like, <laughs> farted. <laughs> I was so scared. I was like, oh, my God, I just explained it to her, and she legit took off on me. But you legit, like, farted around the parking lot, and you got the gist of it just from me kind of explaining it to you and walking you through the controls, right? I didn't have to sit there and, and ride the scooter for you to see it. You, you heard it you kind of figured out what was going on once you sat on it. You got a feel for how it balanced, and then you took off. Um, so it's, it's once people realize that they learn differently, right, I think that's when they get that confidence to say, hey, you know what, screw this. I'm going to learn how to work on my car, right? Like, they don't realize, like, you don't just suddenly know how to work on a car, right? It took years of practice for me to learn how to work on a car, and the majority of it was first reading, a lot of reading and understanding understanding the basics of the theory of operation of what the hell a car even does or how it works. Then the next part of learning how to work on a car was actually going out there and using my hands to manipulate things in real space, right? Like holding the tool, using a tool the right way, learning how heavy certain things are, how things go together. And once I got that spatial uh, memory down and I figured out how to use my hands in that environment, it was like, oh, oh, this is like, this is second nature. Whereas some people, they might just already be able to read a book, they'll watch a YouTube video, and they just jump in and they're able to do it, right? So learning how to learn is a huge thing. And I think the more people realize that there are different ways for them to learn, they'll finally sort of have that light bulb go off and go, bro, I didn't have a problem with school. School just wasn't teaching me the way I learned. Right. And I know exactly a problem for young people. And you were kind of talking about that the other day where college might not be the best fit for everyone because that might not be the best way that they learn. Yeah. And or I mean, like you have to go find alternative ways. Right. Because it's still very much like mm-hmm. lecture based. And so if you're not necessarily like an audio learner or you don't learn as well by like hearing, like it's, it's more difficult mm-hmm. to manage. But I mean, a lot of people are and a lot of professors and teachers are becoming more and more aware of this stuff. So they're mm-hmm. actually like changing and adapting um, to, to compensate for different learning styles in the classroom. But I mean, it yeah. also helps for you to kind of just figure it out on your own. Right. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but the more people realize that they might be better off studying learning itself and gathering the best way they learn, it will open up whole worlds for people, right? Like once they realize like, oh, I am not good at reading books. I need to hear someone speak so that I can listen to what they're saying and I learn better that way. Or, you know what? I cannot stand looking at somebody standing at the front of a classroom just talking all day. I need a YouTube video that animates it and explains it and gives me some examples. And then that way I learn better or someone like me that I'm like, Hey, I need to get my hands on it. I need to actually jump on this motorcycle, learn what all the controls do and experience the sensation myself of, of leaning, balancing what it feels like to accelerate, what it feels like to slow down. And that's the way I learn better because I can manipulate it in real space, right? In three dimensions. Yeah. And then, also kind of off of that too is like the more ways you can connect stuff you know right so like part of the reason I was able to jump on that scooter and just like take off was because it was like oh cool this is like horseback riding I get it like just stay balanced got it right (laughs) and I didn't know that at the time I didn't know that you knew how to ride horses so I'm freaking the hell out I'm like oh 
I still can't believe they totally let me do that in the first interview. I was like, like just, just, just sign this paper. I was like, oh, this is definitely the company for me. Like, <laughs> YOLO, here I go. Man. My will. <laughs> yeah, I was even like, I don't even think I was that interested in the job. I think I was like, I kind of want to go test it out. Maybe if I go interview, they'll like let me try this. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, which ended up being the case i know and here we are freaking uh what four years later like still super best buds um oh yeah and it's so funny how that happens right like whoa this guy's getting yanked by his pit bull he almost got knocked to the ground that's hilarious (laughs) um (laughs) but um that was an instance of you already had an experience your brain was able to make that mind-body connection and associate it to some other experience that you had. And you're like, oh, horses, motorcycles, YOLO. Peace out, Will, right? And you just gas and laugh. So if you think about your mind as like an empty field of grass, right? The more you learn something, it's like you're walking across the grass, right? And as you keep on like learning and getting exposed into concepts, you're kind of downtrodding the, the grass and making a pathway, right? So like think of like your neural networks that way, right? Where it's like the more you ride them, the more usage they get. They go from like being like little one lane streets or like little trodden like random paths in the dirt to being like full on highways, right? And then like you're like, oh, cool, yeah. I just take a left here, go off this, and then you can create new streets and new roads and networks. So the more connections you make to what you already know, the easier it is to learn things, which is crazy. Sure. No, I just think that's so absolutely. cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, for instance, if you can drive a stick shift car, you can ride a motorcycle 10 times easier than somebody that only drives automatic cars because you understand the concept of a clutch, but you can translate the clutch from your left foot to your left hand. And suddenly there you go. Boom. You ride the motorcycle, right? So no, that makes absolute sense. Once you develop those neural pathways and your brain can associate it to another experience you've already had or something else you've learned, um, your brain is a magnificent machine. It's just, oh, oh, bro, this is like that. A is like B. YOLO, we're getting on this bike and we're riding, right? Like, oh, hey, we're jumping on this horse and we're like getting it up like a cowboy. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. The brain is a magnificent instrument that a lot of people end up taking for granted. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and, and once you know that, there's so many ways to take advantage of it. And, like, let's say, like, you've been through some traumatic experiences. You're now, like, oh, that's why, like, I associate this with this thing and in the bad mm-hmm. way. So, it's, like, can also help you maybe take apart some of these roads or these pathways that aren't healthy or good for you. And you can start to identify yeah. that. So, it, so it kind of works, works both ways. And then going back to the point on reading, right, sometimes people just don't read fast enough. So, like, yep. your, your eyes can process information pretty quickly and your mind can do it. But, like, when you're reading, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, like, you know, how you start to read, you kind of pick up that. Versus, like, sometimes when people get bored when they're reading, they're just not reading fast enough. Which yeah. I challenge people to try doing and see how that works. Um, but also there's, like, a whole thing on, like, speed reading and reading for retention. So, I'm, but, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the blog post <laughs> you missed. <laughs> but I did. I, I gotta, in a nutshell. <laughs> oh yeah which is which is great by the way guys if you haven't read Ika's writing uh she is a magnificent writing uh if you've read my writing i'm sort of just pecking at the keyboard and like doing you know index finger typing so <laughs> night and day uh writing uh comparing one to the other so uh definitely enjoy your style of writing Ika, and i gotta say i, I enjoy the blogs that you put up on the new probcast website <laughs> it's um <laughs> it's, it's no it's true like um, timing, timing is crucial. And, and I didn't realize that you had sat on that recording for three years. I got to ask you what changed, what, what finally, um, what finally inspired you to pull the trigger on that content and publish it and get it out there? Um, I think it was a few things, right? I think it was also just like, to a certain extent, it's like knowing our audience, if it, if it takes off and if it gets big, is that they're going to want content like every week, right? They're going to want consistent yeah. engagement. Um, mm-hmm. And like, you're going to have to be present on all your different social media platforms. You're going to have to like keep up with the latest tech or trends because that's where your audience is going to be, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. am I ready for that level of a commitment? And the answer like a year ago was no. <laughs> Just <laughs> leave me alone. Um, <laughs> 
you know what I mean? It was also that I wanted to like learn more about like what's actually going on in the world of education. Like, is what I'm seeing as a problem here in the U.S. something that's happening globally? Is it, you know what I mean? Because then you're looking at two different market sizes, right? Yeah. And so it's like, if I can figure out the answer to a global problem in education, then that's way more valuable than if it's just the U.S., which I mean, the U.S. is still pretty big. Like, I ain't complaining. Um, <laughs> and then also just like understanding the sales cycle, right? Like in EdTech, you're dealing with a two-year sales cycle, you know, mm-hmm. that's, you, you need runway or money for, for two years to actually do that. For some of the stuff that I want to build up, you have to build databases for like AI. There's a certain period of um, data sets or knowledge that you need to accumulate before you can actually provide recommendations or, or do X, Y, and Z. So it's like, how are you going to build that up? So, and I mean, I wouldn't have known this stuff. I only recently had somebody explain like how AI works to me. So like in the past year, so it's like, oh, okay. Like <laughs> this idea could work in theory, but it'll take more time than I thought. That's, that's the lesson I'm learning. You mean it's not, so just, it's like, some, you mean it's not just some kind of supercomputer robot that I can ask you to fix my problems and it's going to do it for me? I got to teach the thing? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay. Um, what a waste. Yeah, so, so <laughs> exactly. and so yeah and then like understanding you know different team dynamics and like kind of what what makes that successful right so and all this stuff I'm still learning and figuring out as I go so it's still very much a a work in progress in my opinion you know for sure I mean we've been filling it our live streams so it's it's like (laughs) there's something you just don't see that you don't know that's like not working (laughs) like like episode two has been heavily edited I cut out like a good 30 minutes of that like (laughs) whoa I, I gotta tell you I actually do remember when you mentioned you were going to start a podcast I remember that uh, I didn't realize you, you went ahead and recorded the first episode and it was just sitting for three years. That, that's got to be... Um... You know, there's also just like timing for things and like luck, right? Yeah. So I feel like, you know, with, with what I want to do with my startup, there's so much that I don't know, right? It's like, mm-hmm. how do you actually change education as an industry, right? Mm-hmm, Huge mm-hmm. questions. How does it even work now? And is it even, are they even ready or open for change, right? Is mm-hmm. society ready to rethink the, the purpose of an education, right? So I think there's a lot of ideas that people have that maybe aren't necessarily acceptable to society yet. Like, are you going to meet the right people to make something happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to build a spaceship, you need to know people at NASA or like Tesla now, right? Like, that's going to help you get there. So it's also just like, maybe you just haven't met the right people to help you actually get to your destination so I think it's like you know they're, they're just saying it's like every overnight success is like 20 years in the making <laughs> like I've heard no people joke. being like yeah it was an over, <laughs> overnight success 20 years in the making and it's like okay yeah it, it takes some time so I think part of it's just like or it's like Bill Gates he wouldn't have been able to to make that initial sale um, for Microsoft if his mom didn't work at like um, some company and help broker a deal for him right so it's mm-hmm. like like hey you know there might be a bit more behind the scenes than you know but it's also just like you know there's also like the Elon Musk where it's like hey they literally went you know they grew up in poverty they worked hard they studied they just did their work reached out to people and you know built some amazing companies right so it's you know there's everyone's got their own journey so it's like you can't really compare the the cards that people have been dealt and you just kind of have to make do with what you have and like believe that if something's meant to be the universe will will make it happen whether it's in a time that frame that you like is a different story but <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's I don't, I do, did that did that kind of answer your question there uh, I guess in sort of a roundabout way. I mean, I like the way it sounded and I'm sure everybody else liked the way it sounded. So <laughs> the reframing it to problems is definitely like a thing because the problem you can deal with, the disorder is like, you know, there's like a sense of finality or, or it, to it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I think I yeah. think the reframing helps. And I also think it's like, you know what I mean? Like our education system just isn't equipped to deal with people or to like deal with these challenges of, of educating people in different ways. Right. So it's like some people may not be able to like communicate as well verbally 
but how can we meet them where they're at? You know what I mean? And um, it's cool at the stables. So I worked with horses for like a few years and like we had uh, a couple uniquely abled folks um, come through and one of um, the instructors or the, the camp counselors realized, oh my God, if I just draw stuff out before we, I teach the lesson to everybody, like they can still participate, get what's going on, be part of the group. And I can still talk everyone through what we're trying to learn. <laughs> so they, they found a workaround, right? Where it was like, not a workaround, but like a way to still include the person, get them what they needed mm-hmm. or the information they needed to, you know, do whatever was part of that lesson. But, you know, it was just adapting a bit of their their um, working style. And I guess they got better at drawing because um, I think they were just drawing stick figures for a while. So they're like, here, here you, this is you on the horse. <laughs> you do this. <laughs> You know what, what? Once I discovered PowerPoint presentations, and I learned that you can convey so much more information and make teaching so much easier, especially when it comes to mechanics, right? When you're teaching technicians how to work on an electric vehicle, sitting there and talking at them isn't going to help you. And taking the time to walk them through uh, a hands-on thing isn't uh, feasible when you're scaling up, right? But you, you whip out a PowerPoint, you send it ahead of time, and you go, here, here are the main talking points. This is how it played out. Read it, and then we'll cover it once I get there. And then we'll do the hands-on stuff real quick. Um, it's a game changer. Like that visual aspect uh, and tying that into an audio aspect and then finishing it up with, um, you know, a hands-on, um, hands-on lesson, uh, it, it can make or break some people for sure. So true. Me and Mr. Worldwide were talking about alternative teachings for like our kids. Uh, my yeah. son, I have to make him YouTube videos, but his YouTube is on private. But I make him videos teaching him the exact same stuff I tried to teach him myself in person, but he just wasn't <laughs> grasping it. So just like you, the drawings you used, because my son is nonverbal autistic, and, um, or what they call low functioning right now. But yeah, I have to do the same teaching I try to teach him in person in a video. And I just make it a little more animated and he'll watch it and he follows and does everything the video says. So, (laughs) I mean, we got to learn and use the tools, whatever reaches them and gets them to the point that we need them to be at. That's success. That's right. There you go, Granny Wilds. That success, is success. And it all comes back. <laughs> back full circle. Ikra, uh, why don't we go ahead and call this the end of this broadcast. I want you to plug your social media, plug the website, plug the podcast one more time for the folks that may be tuning in or listening to this uh, in the future in case they skip ahead towards the end uh, of this, this call here. Yeah, so you can go check it out at theprobcast.com. That's it. Um, I actually put the link in my bio, so now you can go uh, check it out over there. Hey, yeah, buddy. We usually like um, Yeah, and we usually deliver content on Tuesdays, and and try to have um, some sort of like uh, we're trying to get like the visual component sorted right now because we're going to stream live to Twitch, but we've been having some technical difficulties, but we're figuring that out and. but the audio recordings will be available on Google um, Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Radio Public, and Pocket Cast. So it's already there. It's already live. Um, we have an advice blog where we talk about, like, everything. And we also discuss a lot of the advice blog in the podcast. So if you've got one method of learning you prefer, you can do that. Um, you just might miss some th- details here and there, like stories or anecdotes. Um, but you know, we try to try to make it as interactive as possible, or at least entertaining, or at least like right. good content in the very least. <laughs> the, the, just the content's good. <laughs> Everything else is just kind of icing on the cake. There you go, guys. So if you haven't checked it out yet, be sure to check out Ikra's latest blog uh, on uh, success. Um, and my favorite one, be sure to check out the one uh, about Ikigai and finding your purpose, uh, whether that's in your career or your life or your community. Uh, it's a very powerful tool to take a self-assessment and take inventory of your of your life and kind of where you want to go versus where you're at now. So, uh, again, girl, uh, always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, always good to hear from you. Always great to hear the progress you're making uh, with your content. 
Uh, shout out to the listeners for tuning in. Granny Wowsers, uh, shout out to you, girl, for staying on that paper, paper and, the, and the homework. Uh, and we'll have to do this again sometime in the near future. All right. All right. Good night, everybody. All right. Later, guys. Peace. Well, that is podcast number three in the books. Thank you so much to Mr. Wheel Wide for um, coming and joining. Thank you for everyone in the stereo app and the community that's been chiming in on the conversations. Um, absolutely loving the insights that everyone brings. And we'd love to hear more of what your insights are. So if you guys you know, aren't following us on social media yet, um, feel free to comment on the advice blogs. If you're in the stereo community and you're over 18, feel free to kind of join in on some of the conversations we have. Um, at least between Will and I, we would love to to hear your thoughts, your insights, and all of that. Um, just a bit of bonus content for you coming up next. Um, so just kind of um, getting a bit more of Will's perspective on Ikigai. And Will asked me the question of what's next for the Probcast and Major Probs. So... If you're curious to hear more about what we got cooking up and more of um, Will's insights, feel free to tune in. Thank you for listening. About the, the concept of Ikigai, which you uh, are familiar with, isn't it in your ebook? It is. It's in my upcoming ebook. It's, uh, an entire chapter is dedicated to it, actually. And why don't you do me a favor? For our one listener that we got, thank you for tuning in. Why don't you explain Ikigai a little bit more for those that may not be familiar or initiated with what Ikigai actually is, purpose in life, right? So, guys, thank you for tuning in. We're talking about Ikigai. We're talking about how to find your purpose. And Ikra's uh, latest venture, the Probcast, her website has a blog about Ikigai. So, for those of you that are currently in the job market or looking for your purpose in life, this Japanese idea of Ikigai is a very, very good way to sit down and take inventory of maybe what your next move should be in your career, in your life, in your community, um, in whatever venture you're taking on. It is definitely a good thing to consider because, um, you know, something, sometimes we do things not because we find fulfillment in them, but only because we need to pay the bills, right? So Ikigai kind of encompasses all of that. It's what do you love? What are you good at? What does the world need and what can you get paid for, right? Because you might, you might love something and you might be good at it, but that doesn't mean it can put food on the table, right? Or you might uh, be doing something that the world needs and you're getting paid for it, but you're not feeling fulfilled from it, right? That's your job. Once you find something that encompasses all four of those aspects, um, you've sort of found your purpose in life. And that's ultimately what we should all strive for, whether or not you get rich from it. Um, it will give you a sense of fulfillment and it will give you a sense of purpose and you find your being, your reason for being. And I got to tell you that that's something that I've kind of been chasing after for at least the last decade. When I read my, the very first thing I ever read on Ikigai was back when I was a, an auto mechanic, right? Because uh, I was, I, I was good at being an auto mechanic and I was getting paid for it, but I, I wasn't feeling very, very fulfilled, right? The body gets tired, but the mind doesn't. Um, I'd go home and my mind would still have a lot of energy and a lot of desire to do things to feel fulfilled, even though my body was tired and I had money in the bank. Well, um, a perfect example of something of the opposite of that is I'm very good at playing video games and I love doing it, but I don't make any money doing that, right? Um, I'm, I'm discovering little by little, just like you are, Ikra, things that I can do from each of my, my passions, my talents, my vocation. Uh, and what the world needs in the sense of community uh, to find my purpose. And honestly, I think that is starting to culminate in, in media and broadcasting and sharing my experience with the world. Whether or not I can get paid for it, I, I kind of am, but I don't think I can support myself yet. Um, you know, the closer and closer I get to finding that sense of purpose, the more I realize kind of... Um, the fact that it, it's a culmination of everything you've done in your life and experience. I mean, some people find that at a very young age. Some people don't find it till the, you know, sort of the end of their life towards retirement. So uh, I'm really, really glad to see that you 
put that on your blog on the Probcast website because I think not enough young people are aware of what Ikigai is, or maybe they are aware of it and they just never realize that it's something that comes from Japan. What's what's next for the great Iker Shake? I know you you've you've launched the website for the Probcast and you've got the content that you're currently editing. Uh, what's on your plate next for your for your new venture here? What do you what do you got planned? What are you going to do next? What are what are your thoughts and ideas? Where is it going? I mean, so there there's a few different routes that that we're going. Um, I'm working on a couple projects right now. So, at least in terms of this project and like the related um, sides of it, I found a developer recently. So we're going to work on um, kind of creating an online tool that helps you really uh-huh. understand what each major is or field of study and how you can actually use it, right? So, like, let's say you're like, oh, I'm interested in, like, psychology, but, like, you know, maybe you're more interested in the brain, but you've never heard of cognitive science, right? So it's like, can we create a tool that can help you figure that out and be like, hey, you might be interested in cognitive science and, like, recommend that, right? So instead of, like, you know, your Netflix recommending you random stuff to watch (laughs) and be like, hey, Maybe you could build a meaningful career in future with this, like maybe <laughs> guy, right? And so, yeah. um, trying to figure out how to go about creating that right now. So, one idea that we're kind of, or I was toying with, was because a lot of this information would also be useful for like universities or schools. So maybe going and approaching them and being like, "Hey." why don't you let us help you get this set up so that way students can search it, so that way, like, you know, they understand what is cognitive science, what skills they're going to get, what softwares they're going to learn, what are the different courses that they're going to take, you know, what's the current research going on at your university, and really, you know, what are they going to walk away with, right? So it's like students can know what they're getting into you know it's a way or maybe even like what prerequisite courses can help students can help prepare students right maybe they need some some more information on stats so it's like hey if you take a stats course before you get here it'll help you get these concepts quicker right so creating creating a tool like that um but then also figuring out a way where how can we take that database and make it useful for for other people, right? So let's say you're now an employer, right? And you're like, hey, I need people. You know, there's a lot of rules that aren't getting filled um, because companies aren't able to find the right people. So it's like, well, maybe if you knew all the different skill sets with some of these more obscure majors, you'd realize that, you know, a cognitive science major could be a good fit for like this role that you're looking for and that they have the skills that you're looking for. There'll be like a, you know, a 95% match, whereas like, you know, the econ or the business majors that you're getting are really more of a 75% match. And mm-hmm. so just creating the, the technology to make that whole process more efficient. That's what, uh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs>